Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And guys, we are here. Uh, we were discussing earlier, I believe this is like week 19. Yes. So we're almost to 20, guys. Time has flown, and this is amazing. Um, we're super encouraged, been getting great, good feedback, the views, the listeners, people have just been listening and asking questions and talking about the podcast and guys, all we can do is just give God glory for that. And so, uh, we just thank the Lord for the opportunity that he's given us. Um, so guys, how we doing? Doing great. Good. good. Excited about this week. The fun thing about this episode is we actually just broke bread together before this. We ate dinner together. Um, we ate salmon patties, and if you were listening last week, I said that I'd never eaten a salmon patty, and so now this week I can say I have eaten a salmon patty, and I want to say, Zoe, they were amazing. Thank you for making some salmon patties. Thank you, Miss Zoe. It was awesome. We appreciate it. Um, and so, with that being said, we did eat a meal. Uh, we're a little sleepy. Now we're a little groggy. We got some <laughs> coffee in our system. Um, we're hoping, you know, I was telling him my stomach, when it gets full, it just starts making those like deep gurgles, you know, and so I'm hoping you won't think a dog's barking during this or something, but, uh, we're excited to get started and we're going to, we're going to kick it off early. We don't want to, you know, I don't want to waste time because we've got a great question from Jimmy Pratt. Jimmy, we thank you so much for sending this in. Jimmy asked, why does bad things happen to good people and Christians? Why do bad things happen to good people and to Christians? Guys, what do you want one of you want to start or do you do you want me to start? You Okay. Alright. So this is my thought. And not only my thought, what I've studied so far in scripture, this is the answer that I've found. Sin. That's it. No, I'm kidding. Uh but seriously, sin. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. That's no, a good that's, answer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this answer. is and that yeah. is the answer, but I, yeah. I do I think we, we we need to elaborate to do the question justice. Um so when sin came into the world, you have to understand that, you know, when we think of why do bad things happen to good people, usually we're thinking of some sort of scenario of death. So when sin entered in, what followed closely behind? Death. The death the law brought death. Sin brought death. The wages of sin is death. So therefore, when we think of uh, terrible situations and, you know, why do the good die young and all these things, sin. When sin came into the world, um, death followed. Now, we also have to understand that there's a master of sin. Uh, The prince of this world, as uh, Corinthians would talk about, and that's Satan. So not only is there death, is there sin, is there bad things, but there's a master of it. And so this means that he's like the orchestrator of bad. Um, He's the orchestrator of sin, so maybe you think of a couple scenarios. Um, perhaps someone who get who doesn't know, and then all of a sudden cancer comes quickly. Well, I want to say this: if sin was not present in the world, there would be no such thing as a cancer. There would be no such thing as a sickness because there wasn't before sin. So when sin came in and introduced all of these things, we also see that the life expectancy of a human started going down and down and down and down because sin increased, increased, increased. So when you think about the term of like, why does someone have cancer? Well, think about genetics. I mean, has genetics and uh, family, you know, you, you get genes from your parents, you get things from ancestors. I mean, it could skip a few generations and then you could get it. But you have to understand that even when it comes to the genetics or the anatomy of a human being, it's this, that sin has affected it. And it has created some sort of evil and some sort of bad thing. So even with cancer, like I said, 
If sin didn't exist, cancer wouldn't exist. But because there is sin, somewhere along the lines of time, a sickness evolved from evil, from sin, from genetics, from, um, you know, even when you think about how, how does a sickness like this COVID, right? How does COVID happen? Obviously, things in this world have produced a COVID. You know, when you look at the Wuhan labs and the tests and bats and all these things, something combined with something else and created disease. Sin was the reason that that happened. So it can create a disease, but it can also hinder our genetics. Okay, another thing, uh, family curses. I mean, that's a thing that can last. Something can happen. A, fa- a decision could be made, like let's say 12 generations ago, um, um, or even a Lot, Abraham's brother. I mean, he he didn't want anything to do with God. And you look at what comes from Lot, not a great group of people. Or um, Esau, you know, um, what comes from Esau, not a great group of people. You actually see other religions that form from their generations that Ish- came up. Ishmael. It, uh, there's so many yeah. things and so many. Yeah. So let's say 12 generations ago, your family curses God and doesn't want anything to do with him. And then the son does it, and then his son does it, and then his son does it, and his. So you see almost like a continuation of people turning their back on God. So that's something that can also take place. So I want to I want to hit real quick on, on a point that you made early on in your statement was that Satan is the master orchestrator of evil. And let's really don't lose sight of the fact that, yes, all these bad things that are happening to good people uh, are, are a byproduct of sin. But let's look at how Satan manipulates us human and our flesh, and the fact that uh, we can't even understand or comprehend uh, uh, enough to evaluate our own self and understand that we're to blame. Nobody wants to admit fault, and that's it's hard to find anybody that's wrong nowadays or have done anything wrong because we there's so little self-evaluation. But Satan immediately turns our hatred, our resentment uh, towards God, yes. which he's 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 masterfully manipulated us not only to be uh, at odds with God but now then we're uh, we've got a beef with God now yeah and and, the, and then you're and then the questioning God yeah and saying you know why me shaking, why did this happen shaking my fist at God yes I don't not only will I not ask your forgiveness but I am angry with you with God. you right yeah and then, and he's the first one to be blamed exactly yes and then the, the but the, the also I mean we got to keep in mind too if we're going to be the first to blame him we also got to be the first to praise him and it, the you know the question is you know why does good thing happen to Christians and why do, or bad things happen to Christians you know so just looking at it from a different perspective though um if if so what bad thing could be you know somebody coming against you in like a persecution style you know but the scripture tells us this is if the world hated you remember they hated me first um and then you know the other thing could be death so but we also have the scripture where Paul says for me to live is Christ but to die is the gain it's the catalyst that gets me to where I've to, been to, to go, to go yep. you know so i mean yes it's bad things but in in contextually speaking the bad things that we're going to experience are here on earth yep. and that is not our that's not our home it's not our, you know that's not our end goal is it's that this as they said we say you know this was we're just passing through and if we want to put the the, the, the go even further into our analysis of a good person if that good person is truly a christian yes and that sin is unconfessed and unrepented you need to understand that that may be a form of chastisement yes and those sins will be paid for while we're on earth right 
not when we get in heaven because yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Bible talks about those whom I love, I chasten, and those without chastening are bastards and not sons. Yep. And that's harsh language. But again, uh, uh, one way to embrace bad things, it could be confirmation of your salvation. Yes. And I mean, that's what we just talked on the, the couple of weeks ago with the the family union and the children. And that's what we we're saying. You know, that, you know, we went over the scripture that if, if you love the child, you, you don't spare not the rod that, you know, that discipline, that chastisement. So therefore, and I mean, I, granted, it was an Old Testament Psalm, but, you know, it's just like David. I mean, I remember that Psalm where David said, you know, Lord, you know, show me your wrath, you know, chastise me just so I know that I'm still in your, your presence. And at that time we, we live in a different time. So we ain't got to worry about him taking the spirit or removing it from us. However, though, I mean, like I said, just to read David and asking for that, just to know. And, but like you made that point with about us being chastised here on on earth. I mean, that is a, that is a valid point. I mean, sometimes that's what it takes too for us to return to him. Yeah. And I kind of want to, say this and i got a couple th- other things i was i was wanting to say that i thought of while you guys were talking uh job also had a complaint against the lord about the wicked prospering but not only did job have a complaint but job also said in job seventeen fifteen, where then is my hope who will see my hope it's verse 16 will it go down to the bars of Sheol? shall we descend into dust together then you get over in chapter 21, and he starts saying that the wicked prosper, okay? So Job has these complaints that he makes to the Lord. And that's the thing, is people do that too when they see wicked people prosper. They see bad things happen to good people. But, you know, we can blame God, but we have to understand that God doesn't make bad things happen. No. And you're saying, you might be thinking, well, Hunter, God did things in the Old Testament that were bad. No, you have to understand that in the Old Testament, what God did was just. Just, Anytime somebody was punished or anytime, you know, even Pharaoh, why was Pharaoh punished? Because he rejected God. He turned from God. When Aaron and Moses, you know, um, when uh, they appeared to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, what Pharaoh do? No. And his heart was hardened. So he was, the reason the plagues came is because of his disobedience. So God was just in doing that. And that's the thing a lot of people don't know, or maybe they've never heard, is when God does something, he's just for doing it. Why? Because he is perfect and righteous in every decision that he can make, because there's evil not in his presence. And that's one thing, as long as we're in this, and we we talk about being clothed in this cloak of flesh that we battle every day, uh, that's one thing that's really hard to comprehend, because the spiritual side of us... Uh, is cloaked in flesh. Our flesh don't understand that type of mercy and and, and that type of uh, justice that God requires. And for instance, if if somebody does me wrong and then like the, they owe me a bunch of money and, and and they've skipped town and and now I'm I'm thinking God go get them God God rain justice down on them God you know God eliminate them God obliviate them. But God's that God of mercy that He shows that mercy to me and and when we we think of, of being uh, uh, merciful like God, it kind of blows my mind because I can't get my head around the fact that, number one, I, I can't, I have trouble being merciful because I have no idea or concept of the justness that's inside God. Yeah. And, you know, when you even think about what Alan just said about how he's just and he's right and what he does, in the Bible, I mean, there, it rains on the just and the unjust. We talked about this before we even started. So, therefore, if God allows rain to fall on the unjust and the unjust, then that doesn't mean just because I'm a Christian I'm not going to enter hardship or death or something tragic's not going to happen to me because I'm a Christian because it rains 
on unjust and unjust. And so as a Christian, I can face tragedy just as much as a lost person can face tra- tragedy. But here's the thing, you know, if I walk outside right now and I get struck by lightning, who am I going to blame? Nobody. I'm not going to blame nobody at all. But I'm going to know that there's sin and sin brought death. So if I get struck by a lightning and I die, then I'm going to be mad at one thing, death. But I'm going to be mad at sin. Now, there is a free will that God has allowed us to have. So if it's in God's plan for me to get struck by a lightning as a Christian and die at the age of 23, then I'm going to view that as God wanted me to come home early. So therefore, God used something natural to take me home. But there is a sense that we can't just blame God when something catastrophic happens because we also have to understand that the world is dying. And the Bible teaches us that it's crying to be me. To be made new. And so natural disasters and things are going to happen, not only because of prophecy, but because this world's a-dying. So, the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, Job makes complaints. Job says, where's my hope? He doesn't understand. You know, so Job makes all these things, and uh, Elihu shows up, young man, you know, God uses him, and he corrects, you know, Job and his friends. But what I love is the Lord finally answers Job's complaints. And in chapter 38 of Job, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this darkened darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So people, they're just talking without knowledge. They're just saying words. Dress for action like a man will question you and make it known to me. Then the Lord says this to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or you stretched the line upon it. On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut the sea with the doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors? And who said, Thus far uh, shall you come and no further, and here proud waves be stayed? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused darkness? And so literally when you go in here, you're seeing that Job has made complaints against the Lord. He's asked all these questions. He said all these things. And then the Lord literally comes back to him and says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Has the rain uh, a father or has begotten the drops of the dew? From whose whim did the ice come from? Where did ice come from? Who closed the seas up? Uh, Can you bind the chains? Or loose the cords of uh, Oron? Can you lead the Maseroth in their season or guide the bear with its children? And so literally, Job's made all these complaints because the wicked prosper and all these things have happened. And the Lord just questions him back says, Can you guide a bear to bear a child and not give it instructions and teach it like a human? Did you lay the foundation of the earth? Did you make ice? And he goes through animals and all these things. And that just shows us that in our place of distress and our place of complaints because something bad has happened when we question god where were we where were we and that's a just question that can definitely be asked and here's another thing if god allow if if someone comes up to me and says hunter why does god allow bad things to happen i use this is my first response why does god allow good things to happen because if we're an evil people and we're a sinful people then why would he allow me to have rain why would he allow me to have food? Why would he allow me to have Jesus? So I'm hunting for the scripture right now. Maybe one of you guys can can look it up while I'm talking. Uh, boy, uh, 
well, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And, and there's a scripture that says, hey, uh, who committed sin? This this young man's father or his mother because he was born with a, a disability. Yes. What was what was wrong with him? I'll he find was it. blind or crippled or something was wrong with him. Right. And, and, he they, said, and, they, and they asked Jesus, said, who sinned? Did his mother sin? Well, his mother must have done something bad. Or, John. But, man, his daddy must have done something bad for this kid to be born with this disadvantage of life. And Jesus' response was, no. He was born like that so God could get glory. Yeah, John chapter 9. It said they, uh, let's see, Pharisees asked, he said, put on clay on his eyes, therefore the man of anointed mine eyes, go to the pool. The, oh, whoa, 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 here we go, here we go. Three. Okay. His parent. okay. They asked them again, saying, is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then doth he see now? Uh, his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind by... Is this this is a scripture talking about where they bring him forth and they question the parents. They're like, you know, uh, what has happened? Well, who committed the sin? Who committed yes. the sin? Yes. And the parents were like, let him answer for himself. He He's a man. So, I mean, then that's a just point. Um, or when... Uh, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I believe in Matthew, when the Pharisees and the Jews come up to him and say... Uh, they talk about the Tower of Siloam that fell on Jews, and they're talking about all these things. that, t- Or uh, when um, the Romans slaughtered the Jews and their blood was mixed with the blood of sacrifices. And that's where Jesus says, likewise, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. So they're talking about, did the tower fall on them because of how sinful they were? Were they killed and their blood was mingled because of how sinful they were? Was the boy blind because of what who you know what his parents did? And the question of that is... Go, I mean, go ahead, Josh. Go no, ahead. But I mean, the, the one thing that the one thing that I, that I, that story I've always like read and questioned is the what you made the comment that they says let him answer for himself because he's the man was it, because I, almost of of in fear of you know if that was to be pointed upon them and they're like no 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 you know the diverting of the attention it's it's on him yeah it, and that and I, Josh I mean keep going but like in verse three it says. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made in, manifest yep, in, in him. him. So there's sometimes things are going to happen just because God will do a miracle that will glorify him. And so I guess it's one of those things that, like, so, there are bad things that happen, but in some circumstances, if God's going to work a miracle and receive glory out of it, then that's just a part of his will. And that's what I was saying earlier about the Old Testament. If God chooses to do something, then he can because he is just yep. and he is right by Absolutely. doing so. Absolutely. And so when you look at that question of like, why do bad things happen? Well, the biggest answer is sin. Like yep. God doesn't make people just, uh, you know, die instantly like he he doesn't find you know he even said that he doesn't find joy in people that perish you know he wishes that all could come to repentance and all of these things but ultimately and i think all three of us can agree there's an aspect to answer this question that we truly can never find a true answer to we can't because of the fact that uh, we're looking at it through a fleshly carnal mind, and we yes. look at it as bad. But, um, yep. a, a, but God a looks glass at it. darkly. Yes, exactly. Scripture says exactly. And God says, you know what? No, it's not bad. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to glorify myself. Absolutely. So, but but so look at it like this too. Joseph and his brothers. At the end of it, when he faced his their brother, his brothers, after their dad had passed, he asked them, or he told his brothers, you know, what you have meant for evil. Yeah. He meant for good. God yep. meant for good. Yeah. You know, but 
we can't see that that way. No. And I mean, when I read that story, that's when I'm sitting there like, how could he endure all of this? And then at the very end of it, say, you know, what you meant for Especially evil. when he didn't know. When, right. But that's, and but we are so quickly to look at this. And that, that is our problem. That's why we will know the yeah, answer. And but, you, when you talk about the end of that story, there is a lot in that story that happened to Joseph. From absolutely. Being, from yeah. being, uh, you know, imprisoned, sold father, for slavery, separated from his father, yep. betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold to slavery, yep. uh, winding accused up in jail, of, yeah. like, falsely accused. accused. Yep. But there's also like a sense of this, and this might become tough, but like, if someone, okay, if someone decides to inject drugs or alcohol into their system and they become so intoxicated or so high they don't control themselves and then they get in a car wreck or they do something and something happens and they die and then people turn around and say, why did God do this? No, they, they're the one that put the drugs or the alcohol into their system. That is sinfully, willfully, sinfully entering into so it, choosing. Sin caused the death, but that's where the free will comes in. A lot of times people, want, and I've heard this throughout my life, and I, anytime anyone passes for any reason, it's terrible, and right. I hate it. Yeah. Right. But it's, I've seen people where someone will pass away, and the first thing they want to do is question God and ask God why, but when you look at how the person died... They brought it on themselves. So there's consequences for each and every decision that we make in life. I try to teach my children to understand that some of those uh, decisions that we make are big. Some of them are small. Some of the repercussions from those decisions you are big. You reap what you sow. Are, and some of them are small. So when when you understand the, 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 the amount of weight and prayer and, and study and precaution that needs to be taken before we make decisions that shouldn't be made yeah. rashly or or harshly or uh, out of reflex uh we should bible talks about counting the cost but it, you know of every decision that we make it also depends what lens you look at it from because and we've talked about the world view that you everybody has a different world view but like for the christian you don't have a world view you have a biblical view so like when catastrophic things happen or you know terrible things happen we have a different outlook on it, yeah. Because yeah. we look at it through a biblical stand. I mean, if a, if a hurricane comes and destroys a bunch of things, that scared me to death. <laughs> and a bunch of bad things happen. A lot of people are like, "Why would God send that to us?" We don't view it as God sent that. We look at prophecy and that prophecy is being fulfilled, but also that the earth is dying and it's going to happen. Um, or you know, any if an elder person passes away, that's a Christian. We don't. We hate that they're gone and we're going to miss them, but we see it more as a graduation. They're right. going and to it's heaven. A, it's a time of it's, it's rejoice, absolutely. And we're coming up on the the, the time of the year for the the, the, the season of Thanksgiving. And, and as Christians, uh, I've heard it said that our hearts and our attitudes and our minds should treat every day as a season of Thanksgiving yes. because we are a, a yeah. grateful people. So, and I understand it's hard to be grateful for things that come in our life that we don't desire in our life but i go ahead no, go but ahead. The, the the fact of the matter is because that i've said this multiple times because god has chosen me to be worthy to let that pass through his hand into my life should generate a sense of gratitude in me yeah to say god you get the glory out of well this. it's yeah. e- it's even like you know um you know uh, Matt Chandler you know when he had that tumor in his head and he had you know they were saying you're gonna have brain cancer you're gonna die and he's just like, I thank God that he would see me so worthy enough to endure such a challenge. 
and then God healed him, and now he's still pastoring. Or like, you know, when I was in high school, I blew my knee out twice, and I look back, and I see that as God made an opportunity for me to get closer to him. So we have a different view, but I, I really think it's because, you know, when we're referred to as the salt of the earth or the sweet fragrance, or God says, be ye separate, you know, when we, that's why when someone's lost and has literally a worldview, like a worldly view, when they, when something bad happens, why do you think they call the preacher to come out and preach things or talk? Because when he brings the godly perspective into the circumstance, the worldly people start thinking, why are they so happy right now? Or why, why do they have joy in this right now? Like, do you see what just happened to him? And he's literally like saying he's happy and he's praising God. And I think that's because it's a witnessing tool that when we encounter sufferings or hard times or bad things come our way, is that we see it as an opportunity to witness and say, yes, this has just happened, but we want to uh, give thanks to God in the circumstance that he would allow this to happen. We want to praise God. We want to sing for God. We know he'll provide. We know He'll. he's not going to leave us hanging because his word says so. And then the world sees that and they're like, these people are crazy. How are they not mad? How are they not sad? But that's just be separate. And we're called yeah. to be separate in circumstances like that. Stephen. In Acts. Yeah. Stephen in Acts. I mean, he comes out there and he's telling them, he's like, you stiff neck, uncircumcised, you know, can't hear all you persecuted, all the prophets and everything. And it says they became so wrath with him, you know, that they it said, uh, verse 54, um, this is in Acts uh, 7. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing. At, at the moment of it, when, I mean, there's a perfect example of a Christian, something bad happening to him. I, you know, th- it, that is, it's not God's doing, though. It is that of the sinful life that we live in. And then, I mean, the, the actions speak from the heart. So when we look at sin, you know, earlier you made reference to the drugs or the drinking and stuff put into it. It's the same with murder. You know, the the underlying issue in the murder was is a sinful action. Yep. It's hate. it's hate, right? It's it's hate, jealousy, envy. It's there's always an underlying issue of sin. And even with the sickness, the thing is, is that that sinful state that the world is currently in doesn't mean that that means that God is out to yeah to do it. And, there, and, and, and it's unfortunate because, like like Alan said earlier at the very beginning of this, you know, God is the one that's going to catch the acu- accusations of it from mankind. Yeah. And, like, I even think about a man in my life that had a huge impact. His name was Paul Blair. Um, and, I mean, he battled cancer. But this man praised God. Like, every service we had. And, yeah, we prayed over him for him to be healed. But I climbed, I climbed a mountain with this man. I rock climbed with this man. And he, every time we do something, he, I thank God that he gave me the strength to do this today. And Paul would literally talk about how the cancer he had brought him closer to God than he'd ever been. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I was a good athlete in high school. But when I blew my knees out, I was upset and I was mad and I cried. But when I looked at it then and I look at it now, is that I'm thankful that God allowed that to happen because that brought me closer to him. Because I literally couldn't walk. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't do things. And so I was more involved in my youth group at that point. I was reading my Bible more. I was doing things. And that's just like Paul. I mean, he his life, Paul Blair, he'll always have an impact on my life. Because in the midst of his sorrow, he gave praise. In his pain, he found hope. He found peace. 
And that's the thing is that, you know, God doesn't make bad things happen. But sometimes he's going to allow things to happen, but it's for his glory, as Alan said earlier with the scripture he went to. So when people see something, they're like, I blame God for this. I can't believe God would do this to me. Well, God didn't do it to you. He didn't make it happen to you. But it might be that you need to stop looking at blaming him and figuring out why it happened, period, and what good can come out of it. Exactly. So do you guys have anything else you want to say? All right. All right. So, um, Jimmy, we hope that's answered your question of why do bad things happen to good people um, and Christians. I really hope that if anybody has any questions or comments or, you know, ever wants to have a conversation about maybe something that's happened in your life, I want to say this. We are always open here. If you're a member at this church or anything, if you come to this church and you, man, maybe something that we've talked about, you just need to talk to someone about it. Come, come find us. Men, um, you can come talk to us. You know, ladies, feel free to come talk to us. We might bring, we'll have to get some ladies to come be with us so yeah. we, you know, we can be together um, rightfully. But we always, uh, we, we are open to perfect, talk. Perfect case in point. That's why we do this podcast. If you're out there in a time in your life right now where you have no idea where God's at. Especially right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and man, you're struggling. Uh, understand, God's not your enemy, man. Yeah, he's, he, he's he's your only source of refuge. And if Absolutely. you want, and if you want help finding that, then let us know because not only can we help you, but I mean we have counselors, we have people at this church that would just love to help you find God in the midst of your storm, as a lot of the songs we sing about in churches. So, but all right, guys, we're gonna start our new segment. We wanted to last week, but we just felt like the Spirit had another plan to talk about the the importance of context and scriptures. But uh, as we talked about last week, we did a Sunday morning a live session we talked about discipleship and so we want to continue and dive in a little further with our segment on discipleship we're gonna take about four weeks a lot of meat on that bone we're yeah. gonna have to go back in and and, and and spend a little more time on it yeah it's like them uh them salmon patties you just say there's it's just thick you know there's a lot in it you got to find it so uh we are going to start with question one and two, and if you were at church, you might remember those. But if not, the first question we want to address is, what is discipleship? The second one we hopefully will get to talk about, we might have to maybe even continue it a little more when we come back, is why do we need discipleship? Um, so when we look at the question of what is discipleship, um, I want to read a quick definition, and then we'll just kind of go around the table, we'll talk about it, and then when it's time to move on, we'll move on. Um, but I got a definition, and it's for the definition of disciple, which is G3101, and it means a learner, a pupil, a disciple, um, a follower. So Certain words like that. Guys, what, what, what do you want to add to that? What is a disciple? What is discipleship? So uh, a disciple is, uh, again, uh, it's not a student because the difference between uh, a student is somebody who is just about learning. A disciple is one who is not only learning, but there is application of that learning in their life. So they're actually learning and following. And when we look at uh, the, the act of uh, disciple or, or someone who is a, uh, a follower of, uh, those... Uh, disciples that were referred to the bible they said they they could they could tell that they had been with jesus even at the crucifixion they're like uh you're one you're of one of his you're right one of, you're, you're one of his disciples aren't you yes well, uh, no, no, no. 
Yeah, yeah, you are. We can tell by the way you talk. Talk. The, the way, way you carry well, yourself. Yes. At one point, they, uh, the Pharisees, and they said, why does your master blank? The Pharisees asked, why does your master do this? I think it was when uh, the washing of their hands before they ate food. Yeah, one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, why yeah, do yeah. they wash before they eat? And he's like, you know, well, why do you wash the outside when the inside is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And when you look at like a disciple and discipleship, what it is, what I love is Alan's already painted the picture. Obviously, our teacher and master is Jesus Christ. Um, but now think of it in the aspect of what about a man that's called to be a pastor? Well, he's still a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he has been given a calling to help further other disciples of Jesus Christ. Because usually a pastor has the gift of shepherding, teaching, maybe some evangelism, maybe some administrations and all these things that he can use the gifts and callings that God has given him to point other people in their discipleship. So we're all in the process of discipleship, whether position, age, gender. So, uh, Josh, what do you have? What do you want to add to that? Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Um, that's that, that, that basically summarizes being a disciple of Christ. It's, you know, it's giving up ourself, denying ourself, and to follow him um that the the it's one who accepts and assists in sharing and spreading doctrines of another and ours our other is jesus christ yeah so therefore you know that when we we set ourselves apart from it um but be part of being a disciple of christ i mean if you look at the 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 first 12 that he called um he challenged them to follow him right then, right in that instantly. Moment. Yes, there wasn't like, hey, you know, next week let's try to get together. Let's, you know, it was, you know, follow me. And it says that they, you know, well, Matthew was, or not Matthew, but uh, Luke and them, or no, sorry, I'll get it right eventually. Um, Peter, Peter, where they dropped their nets immediately. That's and, what I was getting ready to read. Yeah. <laughs> And they, and they 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 dropped their nets and they 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 went and followed him, you know. But I mean, we we are, we have that same. It's you know that when we when we become in, into acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's the same. That you know we we leave our life that we were currently yeah. in to to become a disciple of him. Yes, and that's what in jo- literally what Josh said is where I'm at. But what I like is uh, if any of you guys watch the TV show called The Chosen. Um, that's a gospel, scriptural-based TV show about Jesus Christ, which, you know, obviously, if you make a TV show about the gospel, you know, not everything that's in it is going to be legit. Like, they're going to have to add parts to the story to make things. But there's, I mean, it's one of the most scriptural shows I've seen. Um, but, like, one of the episodes is where Jesus calls Peter and them to... And what I love is we don't see a lot in the media, but what I, in the show... Peter gets called by Jesus to follow him, and there's a change, obviously. He's excited. Goes home, and in the show, his wife's like mashing up grapes, because back then, that's what they had to drink was wine, and he literally jumps in it with her, and he's like, I met him. And she's like, who? He's like, the Messiah. I met the (laughs) Messiah today. And obviously, this is a TV show, but he's like, he wants me to follow him. And she's like, what? And he's like, he wants me to follow him. She's like, what's that mean? He goes, I don't know, but she wants to, I need to go. And she starts crying and she's like, you have to go. And immediately he gets his stuff and he leaves and he follows Jesus. Now, eventually he comes back, right? He sees his wife because he did have a mother-in-law. He was married. So eventually he, he will get to see his family. He does get to interact with us. But even in that picture, he does go home and tell his wife. But even in the show, 
He gets out of the grape thing, gets his bag, gets his brother, gone. And I mean, they're they're gone. They're following Jesus. And that's what I love is when you look at the calling of the first four disciples in Matthew 4.18. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers men. And straightway left their nets, followed him. And I mean, just boom, yeah. followed him. And that's what discipleship is, is picking up the cross, but following Christ immediately taken off and they didn't know what they were doing. And I'm hoping through the series, which we didn't get to do this a lot on stage, uh, this last, well, a couple Sundays ago, but I'm hoping in this podcast throughout the next few weeks, we're going to have actually a good amount of time to like walk through what the disciples had to go through because now they were the chosen 12 and I'm not Peter and I'm not John, but when you see the process they went through now, given that when the Holy Spirit brought everything to the remembrance, I mean, anything Christ ever taught them instantly in Acts, they remembered. But there was a process. They asked questions. They had doubt. Um, they disobeyed. They did things as the disciples when Jesus was on earth. And he, that's why he was like, I'm not going to be with you forever. You know, the comforter's going to come. But I'm hoping we're really going to get to examine their lives a little bit more. Because Peter had a wife. You know, the scriptures really doesn't say if he had children or not. We don't know. But he had a wife. He had an occupation. He had a brother. And then when you look at James and John, they had a father that they were in the occupation with of fishing. So it was probably a family traditional thing that they all fished. That was their um, sorts of money. Because back then, I mean, it, it was either you, were hard, you did hard labor or you were royalty or you worked for the Roman Empire as a guard. So there wasn't like a lot of occupational things. You know, the women, they helped to make wine. They sewed things. They did a lot of the home stuff. The men would go out. They'd work in the fields. They'd fish. They'd do carpentry as we saw Jesus, Father Joseph did, all these things. But when you see that Peter had a family, when you see that John and James had a family, and then Jesus showed up, and they didn't forsake their family forever, but something within them said, I'm following him. Where he goes, what he says, I'm doing... That's when you look at what discipleship is. That's discipleship. Yep. And yep. so, uh, Alan, you want to add something before well, you go? Question two. We uh, we t- we talk about what a disciple is. Uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter six, uh, verse number forty-eight. Uh, the man that uh, heareth my sayings and first back up to forty-seven, and and, uh, and doeth them. Uh, it says in forty-eight that he's like a man that. Uh, Diggeth and house, builds a house and diggeth deep and layeth the foundation on rock. And when the floods rose and streamed beat vehemently upon the house, uh, it could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Uh, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without foundation, building his house upon the earth, again, which the stream did beat and vehemently, and the, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So uh, when we, we talk about being disciples jesus said uh, you know there's there's a difference between just following or hanging out and just listening and listening and doing and uh, if you go on back to verse number 46 of chapter 6 and uh, jesus straight specifically asked them why do you call me lord but you don't do the things which I say. So if you if you if you call him Lord, that indicates that you are a servant of His. He's my Lord. So if you call me Lord, there should be a evidential a following lifestyle 
that demonstrates by my actions that I do understand what you're saying and I am living uh, in accordance to what you say. So this might be a terrible analogy, um, but one of you know one of my favorite bands that I mean I've listened to and music. I'm a music guy, play instruments and stuff. As you guys might remember this, I mean when Journey came along, you know everybody loved Journey, but it's like this: if I told you I love Journey the band, you know, but you were like, oh really? Oh, well, do you know this song? And you played it, and I was like, no, I don't know what that song is. Then I'm not a true follower right. of Journey, and that's just like yeah. with Christ. If I say, "Oh, I love Jesus," and you're like, "Oh, sweet," what well, do you do then? No, I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. Then I'm a fake follower, yeah. just like I'd be a fake Journey fan. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying when they turn on, you know, don't stop. You know, I know that song. That means, oh, so he probably does follow the band, and he probably knows him a little bit, just, just like a with small Christ. town boy. So just like with <laughs> Christ, you know, if I say I'm a follower of Christ, and then you look at my life, and you're like, man, did you just see how he gave? Do you see how he forgave? Do you see how he prays and reads? You, 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 you know, you can go on and on and on. And then there's some evidence. So there yeah, has to be an evidence exactly. that occurs. And there's, it's got, it's got to be there because uh, Jesus said himself uh, that when the first little hiccup in life comes along, you're going to be left in ruin because you have no foundation yeah. to base your life on. So now, I mean, we need to, let's go ahead and say question two, because we're, we're in it already. And question two is why do we need discipleship? And I have some texts that I'll get to eventually, but I want to start. I, I, is it okay if I start? Go ahead. Okay, okay sorry. I want to start this out because I think this is really going to set the stage for you two and what you have. Run with it. So when you even look at the question of why do we need discipleship, all right, let's continue our story of the disciples. So you get to Matthew chapter four, Jesus preaching the gospel. His fame went throughout. He had a great following. Then you get to Matthew five. If you guys remember, the Beatitudes are about to come up, and we've been through those. But look at this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up in the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So they followed him in the previous chapters. Boom. Chapter 5, he's teaching them. So discipleship, why do we need it? Why did the disciples need to be taught right here? Because Jesus knew that there was a work and a life that he was going to have to prepare them for and help them get to. And the first thing he's going to do is teach them the Beatitudes about how you can be a Christian but be uh, you know, poor in spirit. And mourn and all. Blessed are these that mourn. Happy, happy. We should be happy when we do. And he's teaching them these things as long with the crowd that's there. So why do we need discipleship? Okay, if Jesus would have called these fishermen and then say, all right, you're my disciples. I'm going to be on the right hand of my father. Peace out. And he leaves. Then they'd be like, what was that about? Who's that guy? Or if he would have said, come follow me. And they'd be like, okay. And he's like, I'll be back in two months. And then they're like, well, I guess we'll just keep fishing. When they left, when Jesus left, what did they do? They went back to what they usually did. Yeah. So if there wasn't some sort of guidance, then they would have just been like, okay, well, who's that guy? We'll just, we'll just keep fishing. But instead, there was a need for them to grow and to be furthered in the process of being a disciple. So Jesus took them to the mount, and all of a sudden, he's going to teach them the Beatitudes. He's going to teach them about being the salt of the earth. He's going to teach them about murder and anger and lust. He's going to teach them about temptations, divorce, forgiveness, oath, loving enemies, giving, prayer, fasting, treasures in heaven. I mean, do we need to keep going at this point? Because he taught them so many essential things about being a disciple, a learner of Christ. So guys, why do we, I mean, we see why the disciples needed discipleship, but what else can you add to that answer? Why do we need discipleship? So obviously for, for teaching and to grow, but what, I mean, what else can you add to that? Um, he commanded it. 
Jesus commanded discipleship. Um, Matthew um, verse or Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen. He says Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, "All power is given to me in the heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Um, to go and to teach is to to disciple, to make disciples. It is it is, it is crucial that we. We, we follow the teachings. I mean, because basically from the time that Jesus departed from this earth, the, the, the record of is for generation after generation after generation, as well as to teach. Um, and we, 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 we studied the word of God. We follow his teachings for us as a model of life. Like you said, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, it gives us a model of life of how we're to live. But then the need of discipleship is is great for us to continue it on for generations that come after us. And the the education and edifying in the Word of God that we it is it is to encourage and to in in basically promote Christ in every aspect of our life. Um, and that's what so when when he had the disciples that did follow him and that he modeled it with them, which is what you were showing that he, or you mentioned, made mention of is that he showed them step by step, how they were to do it, how they were to respond, how they were to live, how they were to interact, you know, and every time that they stepped out a little bit, he would ask them a question with correction to, to find out or them to see the motive even, or, you know, to, to basically challenge their thought on, what their motive was, what yeah. their heart initially yeah. was on their comment. So therefore, when he when he does that, the same goes for us and is applicable to us, is that when we look at situations, you know, our first response, our first action, a lot of the times is, is going to be a fleshly reaction. I, that's the first thing that's going to come to our mind. You know, like we were talking about at the beginning in the opening of this question is, you know, that we look at a situation and we say, oh, well, why God? Why did you this happen to me? Why did this? But that's the, the part of it that, you know, when we to set ourselves apart from that ourself to be a follower of Christ, we then have a change of thought. It's no longer, you know, well, why God? You know, they, they, we then start looking at it like, okay, there is something for hi- for yeah. me here. You there's know, there's something hidden. There's something right. There's something bigger. You know, and I mean, the 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 thing that we have to keep in mind is we don't see the big picture. We don't see what's going to happen next. No. We don't see, you know, we don't see the intercessories that we're making or that somebody else is making in our lives. Yeah. That you know, I mean, we, I know for me. I had those people that played key role in 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 my finding of Christ and salvation and studying, but at the same time, that is what we have to do with others. The one thing that discipleship is beautiful in is that new believers is pulling them alongside, yeah, to 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 bring them up to speed, to to bring them to understanding, and that's one of the um. That's one of them that when we see the disciples is that um, in in Acts when Apollos when they came to him you know they brought him up to speed they're like you what you have is good 
But there's more. Yeah, he's stuck on John's baptism. Yes, and all that and stuff. But there's more. Yeah, and, and you know, and they brought him up to speed, and that's the same thing with us. You know, last episode that we talked about, we were talking about. I think Alan made mention of it that we are not to, um, to to react harshly or to basically point and say, you know, we don't read and study to say, hey, you're wrong, or you know, and and point. But we do read and study, and we disciple each other to encourage, uplift, and bring, make strength in the yeah. in, in it. Um, and you know, kind of what Josh was saying too about like the process and the things that take place. You know, I was even thinking one of the texts that I originally didn't have, and I even talked about it at the Sunday we did this was, you know, Ephesians two eight. Everybody thinks of grace through faith, but you know, when you get to the later verse, um, it says a phrase of for good works about being saved for good works for good deeds. James talks about good works, doing good deeds, because we have faith in Christ. Abraham believed God, therefore it was counted to him as righteousness. Then he was going to sacrifice Isaac because he had faith. All these things. So faith and works go hand in hand. But what I love is we can't just do works until we learn what they are. Like, I can't learn how to be with teenagers until someone trains me and helps me. And I've had people in my life, but I also have the Holy Spirit that shows me a lot of things. Probably more than a person. Actually, more than a person, to be honest. Or to be a missionary. Like, you're just not born a missionary. Somebody's got to help you see and learn. The Holy Spirit's got to guide you. A pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon. Alan, you weren't just a deacon right out the womb. Somebody had to come along and help you, did they not? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> funny you should mention that because uh, 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 James Arthur Ramsey and Orville Orr were the only two deacons in the church when they approached me. And uh, literally was shaking like a chihuahua when they asked. And after ordination, I bet it was, I was just, every deacon's meeting, I was just like a, a, a nervous <laughs> little kid. I just sit there, wouldn't say a word. Yeah. Like a, and and that's that's one thing that when it comes to uh, learning, uh, whether whether I'm being, uh, uh, you know, discipled uh, on how to be a deacon. My, my dad was a deacon. I, I learned a lot from uh, his lifestyle that he lived. Yeah. But as far as the function of the church and as far as, uh, some decision making that goes on in the church learned a lot and those guys gave me the opportunity and the privilege without putting a lot of pressure on me just to sit back and watch and observe on how it was done yeah and that's what and that's what i was getting to with you know okay so you know the, the sermon on the mount the disciples are taught a lot of things okay but then you get over you get over to matthew chapter 8 jesus heals a leper the centurion's faith happens jesus heals peter's mother-in-law the cost of discipleship. Someone says, I'll follow you anywhere. He's like, well, a fox has a hole, you know, this, but the son of man has nowhere to lay. Okay, Jesus calms the storm. Someone who's possessed is going to be healed. A healing of a man with palsy. Matthew, in Matthew 9, follows Jesus. Questions about fasting come along. Jesus teaches everybody about fasting. Uh, the ruler's daughter. Sight and speech restored. Labors, labors for harvest. So, so far, the first... Nine chapters of Matthew, the disciples have been taught and they've seen Jesus do works and preach the gospel and about tell people about the kingdom. So, you know, if we were to span this out, Jesus had a ministry for about three years from about the age of 30 to 33. Now, he was God his whole life. He was God in flesh, but everything was made manifest. You know, when the baptism happened and the dove descended on him like a spirit and he said, this is my son, who I'm, everything really kicks off from right there. And then you have the first miracle, water to wine and the wedding that happened in Galilee. So, but the disciples, you know, it's probably been a couple months, maybe a few months. And all of a sudden you get to chapter 10 
And then it says this, And when he had called unto him twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness, all manners of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles were these, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, not James from the New Testament, and then Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas the Iscariot. Okay, so nine chapters months probably then all of a sudden in chapter 10 of the gospel of matthew he finally gives them instructions and he says this these 12 men jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not into the way of gentiles and not into the city of samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of israel he's saying go amongst your own people and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass. No, don't take a script on your journey. Don't take coats. Don't take shoes. Don't take. He's like, just don't take anything. Um, and in whatever city or town you go in, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if not be worthy, let your peace return to you. Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, verily I say, and you know, he goes through all these. Then he talks about the sheep among the wolves. So they've had to be taught multiple doctrines already of the gospel of Christ and about how to be a Christian. They've had to watch him heal people. They've had to watch him cast out demons. They had to watch him make a storm stop. And they still had little faith in that scenario. Then all of a sudden, 10 chapters later, now he's telling them they can do stuff. That is why discipleship is needed. And this whole grooming process that's going on, nine chapters worth of, of, of grooming, educating, teaching, watching, observing, and Jesus being God and all-knowing knows that they're not getting it. There, there, there's, there's things. There's At one point, I mean, why, yeah. could, why couldn't we cast the demon out of this man? Yeah. Why couldn't we? And he's that on, comes through prayer and fasting. Exactly. So, and, and, and he's, again, he's up to the point now where he's giving instruction. And, and, and uh, they're, they're, they're in it. And they're, they're, they're wanting to, to, to advance. Understand that as we as, as Christians, as, as, a, as a body of believers, as, as a church, as Watson's Chapel, uh, the need for us to be committed to not only our own personal discipleship, but also investing in others and, and pulling them up alongside. Man, it would be awesome if we had like a corporate process where we could just mass, uh, you know, produce disciples. But Jesus here is showing by example. He's invested nine chapters worth of instruction Nine, nine, nine chapters worth of education, and he he's and it continues. He, he's bringing these guys along. In Matthew thirteen, he has, he, he's pouring himself into them. Yes, and, and, he, and he's he's trying to, uh, to 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 mold and to to to, to sculpt these guys and, and fashion them into the uh, image of himself. And, and that's that's something that uh, as we you know uh, set goals for ourselves and uh, as a church. You know, lots of people, it's, you know, you look at numbers and you can look at uh, attendance, you can look at baptism and all that. i tell you what, if, if somewhere on our agenda we don't have succeeding in, in discipling others, uh, eventually, uh, man, life is going to catch up with us. Well, and it continues. Um, 
and they have all these things before they go out but even after they've been commanded to and they've been given authority and all these things then you get to matthew 13 the sower of the seed jesus explains how the seeds thrown out and people respond four different ways but in verse 10 it says the disciples came and said why speakest thou into the parables what does this even mean um, and he tells him, he says, listen, he says in verse 11, because it has been given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Paul makes clear what the mysteries of the kingdom are, and that's the gospel of Jesus and how a Gentile and a Jew can exist together amongst the body of believers. But he's tell, he's having to explain it to him. Then in verse 36 of Matthew 13, Jesus sent the multitude away, went into his house, and his disciples came in and saying, Declare to us the parable of the tares of the field, the wheat and the tares. They didn't understand it, so he had to keep explaining to them. So what I love is the first nine chapters, it paints a baby Christian. And I mean, First Peter 2, 2 says that we're like newborn infants. So they're babies. They've just been called in. And they're having to follow and watch. And that's what a baby does. It just follows and watch. And that's what a lot of young Christians do. I mean, uh, you know, in Josh's household. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah, it's perfectly okay. Josh's kids, what I love is that they're all adamant about the scriptures and passionate about the scriptures, but it's because their dad's adamant and passionate about the scriptures. So they see him and they're going to do what he can do. And you might be thinking, well, that's not right. They don't need to copycat him. They're just babies. They're just infants. They don't have enough experience on their own, so they're going to see what their father does, and they're going to try to imitate him, which I love. And that can go both ways because kids also imitate parents that aren't good examples. Yeah, so exactly. if you don't if you don't have any reference to the scripture or, you know, the on the flip side of that, if you've been in church for 30 years and you still are a, a babe in Christ, still on the milk, um you're you're raising them and are they watching you yes. and your lifestyle behind you. Yeah. And that's the thing the 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 key with discipleship and the importance of discipleship is for the advancement from those that are behind us. And if we don't have if we don't have to pull them along to to show them scriptures and for them to watch by leading an example, um, it becomes it becomes evident of what we have and, and it's are the times that we are currently in in the community, the people that we reach out to, they will often profess Christ. But they like like Hunter said earlier, you know, if you're if you truly are a follower of Christ and, you, you know, we start discussing the Bible and there's no reference to it or there's no contextual understanding of it or even the basics of the story. Um, it, it, it leads to a question of how much reading and studying time are you really putting into it? Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, we a new a new Christian oftentimes does not have answers. No. They don't know where to go to get the answers yeah. neither. So therefore, it is a critical time. Just like, a, I mean, when when you watch a child, I'm talking a young, young child, before it can walk or speak or do anything, I mean, when it's learning its motor skills, one of the things that it does is it gets fascinated with the use of its eyes. Once things start coming into focus, I mean, it will catch stuff and watch things. And that's what a child does. Um, so if the discipleship in the church is lacking, therefore, there's not going to be any emphasis on yeah. discipleship. Yeah. So there's not going to be any emphasis on studying. It's not going to be any emphasis on uh, the teachings, The any of it. There, the thing is, is that they have lost a reference for seeking Christ for seeking the, his word to make him to follow in him. Um, 
one of the key things is that the we're we're at a time where people want to put their faith in conditions that are appeasing to them and through that with they find a church that fits their demand um it is our responsibility as believers to push that upon them to you know to study to you know like we talked about in the last segment study the show thyself approve to make it a point that we are in the word of god and we are studying the word of god and it too is to make the change in us to be more christ-like if we don't know the attributes of christ we cannot show the world the attributes of christ because we don't know what they are can't do it we can't do it can't do it We, we were talking earlier about the the folks that we encounter and, and, and the, the lack of interest or the like and, and jesus addressed it in luke chapter 14 and verse number 26 he talked about you know unless you're uh, uh, uh you know hate your father and mother and, and in no way can you be you can't, a you, disciple. can't be, you can't be my disciple absolutely and when you when a person looks at that if they're carnally minded well i love mama i love right. daddy yes well everybody does absolutely but here's what christ was saying the most important thing in your life it's not that I want you to uh, forsake it, but here's what I want you to do. The most, and the most important thing that we have is our life, our ability to make decisions, our choice, our free will, to take that and voluntarily give it to him. Absolutely. It's yours, Christ. And it, it, this goes on, and Hunter hit on it a while ago, said uh, there, there is a cost to being in the disciple. Yes. There's, there's a cost. And Jesus specifically goes on and states there in verse number uh, 28 of Luke chapter 14, it says, you know, if, if, if a, if a man uh, uh, intends to build a tower, does he not sit down first and count off the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? And happily after that he hath laid uh, the foundation and is not able to finish it, uh, all that behold it, beginning, mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Yes. And, and what king is about to go into war and does not consider it first and sit down first and say if he can take his 10,000 and meet that that comes against him with 20,000. You got to weigh the cost. And when it, when it comes to being that disciple, uh, not that we're losing anything. And that's the, no, that's, what one, that's, that's the one thing we want to make sure yeah. you people understand uh, that that the listeners understand is that we're not losing anything. We're surrendering everything to Christ, and in turn, yeah, we then gain. Well, and I mean, when it comes down to that question, obviously, so we've established that there's a need for growth, there's a need for security, there's a need for to go from a babe to be a man somebody's got to teach somebody's got a god there has to be discipleship but what i even love is you know when you and i've just been over here just looking through the different gospels and i was over there in john where jesus said drinking my blood eating my flesh and they're like this is hard to what alan was talking about earlier but what i love is even in john 14 you know when you get down there everybody thinks of the way the truth of life but do you know why jesus said that because thomas said unto the lord we don't know whether thou goest. how can we know where you go and then he says I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. <laughs> yep. Okay, in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. So he's saying, yep. Jesus says, Have I been so long with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? 
He hath seen me, seen the Father. And how sayest them, show us the Father? He answers Philip questions. Then, you get over verse 22, Judas said unto him, uh, not Iscariot. And I think Pastor Jason even said this verse the other night. How is it that we will, man, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. So you see three questions from three of the disciples, three men that follow Jesus, and he answers them. And so even when someone goes from being a babe on milk to being on meat to being called to a position, there's still a need for discipleship. Oh, absolutely. Because these men have been casting out demons. They've been healing people. They've been preaching the gospel. But yet now they get back to the master and they're like, well, Lord, how are we even going to know when you come back? Lord, what are we going to do here? Lord, why can't we cast demons out of these people? And all of these questions are coming up, and they're literally the 12 apostles that will carry out. And so it just shows you that from when they were first called in the beginning of Matthew to the books, the book of Acts, where, I mean, they take off. And it's like, are these even the same guys? There was a process of growth. Now, obviously, they were different because the Lord literally equipped them with, for every work and every deed that they would do. But still, you get over in the book of Galatians, Peter, what's he doing? He's eating with them Gentiles, and all of a sudden them Jews walk in, and he's, I'm going to go sit with him, and he moves. And Paul walks in and rebukes Peter yep. to his face, saying, yeah. why'd you move? Right. I mean, literally, in Acts 15, and at Cornelius' house, Peter was the one eating with them. And, you know, so still there's a process that they were in of growing and needing to be grown, and then eventually they're going to become the beginner, the beginning, literally the beginning of the Christian church. And that's what I love about when you look at the question of why do we even need discipleship? Well, why do we? How are we going to do good works? How are we going to grow? How are we going to learn if there's not discipleship? How are we going to last? How are we going to stick with it? Yeah. How are we going to endure? Well, I mean, even in the the text that you were talking about earlier, um, Alan, when you look at the question uh, when Jesus is talking about how he's the bread of life, I'm going to flip over there real quick. I believe it's uh, John chapter 4. Nope. That's the Samaritan woman. Maybe it's... Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so Jesus is saying that he's the bread of life. No man can come to the Father except by me. You know, we've heard that text. He said, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And so he starts talking about all these things. And all of a sudden, in verse 60 of John chapter 6, it says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, okay? For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And then it talks about, for that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then he looked at the 12 and said, will you also go? So you see these guys that have been following him from the beginning. And they've been listening. They've been taught. They've been under these things. And he says that. And Peter's just like, where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. But then you see... The fake followers exactly that had no meat. They had nothing with him. And when he says those hard phrases, they're like, this is hard. Who can hear it? Well, we'll just leave. And so they didn't have any sort of discipleship in their life, obviously, because G- they went away from Jesus at a phrase that would have saved their life. They're missing that foundation. Yeah. And that's that w- w- just kind of set the, a, a, a little uh, teaser into an upcoming topic. Uh, man, that the beginning steps 
of discipleship is salvation. Yep. It's got to be there. It's got to be a part. It's got to be a realistic uh, uh, element. And we uh, go through these things that uh, are uh, biblical uh, growth process. You know, you got to have that starting point before you can even begin growth. And uh, one real main necessity for discipleship uh, number one, the one thing it's going to do first off, it's going to expose the posers. Yeah. Well, and oh man, man, we're just we're having a Bible flipping Olympics in here tonight. <laughs> but listen to this flipping everywhere. <laughs> and uh, in the same chapter, in chapter six of John and twenty five, it says, "When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither?" Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did That's eat of it. the loaves. That's it. My belly's full. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but me, Jesus. Uh, for the meat which endureth everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who has sent. They said therefore unto him, What signs showest thou? And that we may believe. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it was written, He gave them bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But in verse 26, He exposes them. He's like, listen, you seek me not because you saw miracles, but because you ate loaves of bread. So literally, you find out that people were literally just following Him because they were hungry. All they wanted was the food. But then when he gets to the teaching, and then he gets to the salvation message, and it's not the real food anymore, it's the spiritual food that go, well, this is hard. We don't want to hear this. Yeah. We'll just leave. You're not giving us what we want. That's the same thing. If someone doesn't have a true discipleship foundation or a true godly foundation that's centered around a true biblical conversion, they'll never endure true b- discipleship never. because when the bread runs out, they're gone. That thought will preach, as my Papa Ronnie says. When the bread's gone, they're gone. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's just the truth. Um, does and, it, and when we get on, we will get on the uh, topic eventually on, uh, of the eternal security of the believer. And not everybody that says they were disciples are disciples. Not everybody that says they're saved is saved. Right. Sheep and wolf clothing. Exactly yes. right. And, and uh, wolves when, in sheep's clothing. <laughs> I understood you. Bingo. <laughs> but when you start getting into the discipleship, hey, one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to get a revelation by the Holy Spirit that I don't have salvation and yeah. that conviction and drawing and wooing process will then start. You're going to get a Holy Spirit smacked to the face. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Or you're, or I'm going to flee and resist, yes, and 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 reject yep. and, and and get out of God's presence because you can't you can't you can't stay there. Josh, go ahead, and then we're going to have to wrap up. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter three, verse seven. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear this voice, harden not your hearts as the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. Your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works for forty years. Wherefore I grieved with that generation. Instead, they always err in the way of their hearts and have not known my ways. That's the example of seeing the seeing the evidences, hearing the evidences, knowing of it, but then they're erred in the way of their hearts, not having because they did not know the ways of the Lord. And that's the thing with it. So when the, the true discipleship comes, you're going to know the ways of the Lord because you have fully surrendered your life to him. And that's the Speaking of the salvation is where we're going to come into to find out that we die to ourself. 
We death. It's a new creation in Christ with that new creation in Christ. That's what sets us up Absolutely. for the discipleship is that, that we are truly surrendered our life for him. And that's the thing. So when we see other evidences of outside, it's more than just a profession or a proclamation of, yes, I am a follower of Christ. Because it's going to be an evidence in our life, in our actions, in our thoughts. The thing is, is that once we fully surrender our life to us, nothing of the old life that we have, we have a desire for. Yeah, and and the Bible talks about that. You, you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. From me, so yes. God, God, God yes. has that all-seeing eye yes. that because we have our limitations with the fleshly, uh, uh, you know, bodies that we live in, we can judge people on outward appearance. But God judges people from the heart. Yes. And he knows, you know, yeah, you, your mouth's pretty, uh, making pretty words and putting pretty sentences together. But I know how your heart looks. Yep. Well, and that's the thing. So when I was, years ago, I used to look at my sin and I would have moments of boasting to others of my sinful ways. Yeah. And then now, the only thing it brings is hurt and sorrow of stuff that I have done against the Holy God. Yeah. You know, and I mean, people are like, you don't talk much about your past. Well, there's a reason. Exactly. Because there's not much to talk about. I'm yeah. not happy about exactly. it. Exactly. And that's the thing. That's when we, know, that's the evidence is that we know that there's been the change. Why would I talk about some, something that's right? That is supposed that to be dead. Hurt. Now. Right. It has brought hurt. It has brought nothing to glorify him. So if we're going to have a discussion, let's have a discussion about something that can change your life. Let's talk about a living God that's still righteous, holy, that we can go and make new life come about instead of an old life that brings nothing but destruction and death. Yeah. And that's like when I, and I'll say this, and then I got a short story, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, You know, when I share my testimony, you know, I don't share every little detail. No. Because some things are between me and God, but mostly it's because... I don't want to relive that. Right. I, I'm, the I'm one not that, bringing glory to it. I'm the one that has to carry the baggage from the yes. decision I made. So why do I want to relive that in front of 100 or 200 people yes. just to show them how bad I was? Now, I understand that God can receive all glory. by if you see how bad I was and how good I, I can be now because of Christ, that's great. But I don't want to relive the baggage. I don't want to relive the pain. I don't because I hate it. And that's what be angry and sin not. You want to know as a Christian how you can be angry without sinning? Be mad at the things that God gets mad about. Yep. Sin. Yep. Like if you get happy about your sins, I have a question for you. Have you ever been saved from them? But if you sin and you become so angry at the sins, then you can be angry and sin not because you are being angry at something that God gets angry at. Yes. Yeah, but so so with Paul though, did he not did he not say that though when they, he's like you want to go title role in 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 hierarchy basically of who he was. He says I'll gladly yeah. entertain this with you. Yeah. He says but all of that I, I count as dung. I, I it's nothing. You know, and I mean, that's sometimes how it is, though. You know, people are like, well, you don't understand what I've came. And it's like, I, I, I might have. And, you know, and when they start. I probably know more than more, you think. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I probably walked a little farther down that road that you're heading down. You know, and I've seen the other side. But, but like I said, that brings nobody glory. Well, that, and that's like some people in this life have truly heard my story. At the end of it, they're like, whoa, you know. 
There's no way you used to be like that. And one that brings glory to God, it's not about me, it's about Him. Exactly. But two, it's like, this is why I didn't want to share it with you in the first place, because mm-hmm. that's how awful I was. <laughs> yeah. Why and do I want to talk about something exactly. that was so awful when I can talk about something that's yeah. so, so good? good. Absolutely. Nothing but regret. Another, Man. Another yes. moment's Woo. got all awkward and everything, because <laughs> you're looking at me different. You're all, yeah. I, I can see you're judging Woo. me. You know? yeah. but, we need to talk but, about testimonies one day for a segment. The, 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 a true the, bottom line, the bottom line is, if it brings recognition to me, I don't need to be talking about it. Right. I don't need to be talking and about that's, it. And that's the thing, and I, uh, I'm i going to bring this to a head right here, is when you think about discipleship and why it's important, I think about this. If you're about to go on a safari, right, you're going to go on a trip and throughout the safari wilderness and all these things, yeah, you're going to learn things, you're going to see things, you're going to experience things, and one day the journey will come to an end. But before you can ever get in the Jeep to start the safari, you've got to have the ticket that says you are on it. And that's the thing about discipleship is you'll never be able to go on the journey. You'll never be able to learn. You'll never be able to experience things unless you have the starting point. And the starting point is what Alan and them were talking about earlier is it rotates around salvation. The demonstration you painted at uh, Sunday about the circle, how does discipleship happen? It rotates around Christ and the salvation that we have. And that's the thing is you have to be saved to truly experience discipleship. And if you te- if you glorify with your lips but not your actions and you want nothing to do with discipleship, you want nothing to do with growing, you want nothing to do with the Word of God, but you tell me you're a Christian, I want to have a very sincere, loving conversation with you about why. Because that's the truth. I want to know why people are in that state. Because the Bible tells me we should be otherwise. Guys, it's been an hour and 16 minutes and it's okay. But do y'all have, I mean, any last comments? I mean, we're going to continue into this next week with some more discipleship things. Because I think next week we get to, how does it happen and I mean, we might talk for another hour and sit 16 minutes because that's a big question. So do you guys have anything that you want to end with? God bless. God bless. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.